invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke this morning, the book of Luke, and we're going to jump around a little bit. But before we get started, I got a text this morning from Bobby Samuels, and as many of you know, his dad, Mr. Bob Samuels, passed away on, on Christmas night, and yesterday was the service, and he sent me a message, and he wanted me to say this morning to you all, thank you for being such a good church to him and his family. And, and, and Josh says it every week that we have someone come forward to join. We want to be a good church to you, and we want you to be a good church to us. And Bobby told me this morning that through the, the events of his father passing away, we have been a good church to him and his family. And that's a good thing, and we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the Samuels family. We're thankful for the example of Mr. Bob. But this morning we're here because it's, we need to worship God. And one of the things that we think about when we, when we worship God is, what does it look like for us to worship God? And so we're at the end of the year. We're at the last Sunday of 2018. And one of the things that always comes up at the end of the year is New Year's resolutions. And we start looking forward to how can we make changes in the new year to make our lives better, to make our lives more simple, to make our lives more healthy. These are the types of things that we like to think about. And one of the things that I have been thinking about as the father of young children is how can I be better in 2019 at discipling my children, at raising kids that love the Lord? That's something that weighs heavy on my heart. Sam and I have had many conversations about how do we raise children that genuinely love the Lord? It's an intimidating task. There's a whole world of influence out there that is not the type of influence we want Graham and Charlie to experience. And so we think a lot about how do we raise kids that love the Lord? And, and part of raising kids is discipling them. And so I don't want you to hear this morning that if you're not the parent of a young child, or perhaps your kids have already moved away, that you can just check out and, and not listen for the rest of the time. I don't want you to hear that this morning. Because discipleship is not just an issue of parents and children. It's an issue of multi-generational people inside of a church pouring into the next generation that's up and coming. If you scan this room this morning, we have people from a lot of different age groups. We have very young people in here this morning. We have very experienced people in here this morning. You're not old, you're experienced. And we've got everything in between. And so when we think about discipleship, we have to think about what does that look like in our church? What does that look like for me in my family? And what does that look like for me as part of our church? So last night, there were uh, some college football games on. And I was hoping they would be a little more athletic or a little more competitive. Uh, but they weren't. But for whatever reason, I stayed up until midnight watching them anyway. And 
there are tons of commercials. There's lots of advertising when, uh, when you watch a big sports thing like that. And one of the commercials that stuck out to me, and I've seen it before, is an insurance commercial. And the insurance commercial is this guy and his wife, and they buy this house, and they're starting to do renovations. And as the commercial progresses, he starts to become more and more like an old man. And the, the whole tagline for it is, we can't stop you from becoming like your parents, but we can save you money on insurance. And that's funny because we have all seen that and experienced that. Now that I'm in my 30s, I look back at my parents and I see so many ways in which I have become like them. There are certain mannerisms that I have that are similar to my parents. There are certain sayings that I say that are what my parents would say. And I think if all of us observe our lives and perhaps our parents as well, the same is true. We see that we just naturally become like the people who have had the most influence on us. And so as I think about that, and I think about raising my own kids, and as I think about the church, and as I think about discipleship, I think that Jesus has a lot to say about how we to, to answer my specific question, how do I raise children that love the Lord? And to answer our broad question, how do we raise disciples to love the Lord? We're going to look at a couple different passages in, in Luke's gospel this morning. We're going to start with our, our New Testament reading, Luke chapter 6. And in verse 17 is the beginning of what we know as the Sermon on the Plain. And the Sermon on the Plain is very similar to Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, not, it's nowhere near as long, but it's got a lot of the similar teachings. And what we see in here is that Jesus is intentionally teaching his disciples. We're going to start in verse 17 and read the same verses that Drew read. And he came down with them and stood on a level place... And with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when you are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that discipleship involves teaching. Discipleship involves teaching. Now, when I was a kid, I always saw my dad going hunting. In northeastern Pennsylvania, that's a big thing. The first Monday after Thanksgiving Day is always the first day of rifle season, and that's what my dad was into. He wasn't really into archery. He wasn't really into anything else. He just wanted to hunt with his rifle and get that big trophy buck. And Growing up, he never did, but these last three years, he's gotten monsters. I'm so jealous. But so he, I grew up watching my dad always go out 
and I have an older brother, and so when he turned 12, he took his hunter safety course, and he started going out with my dad, and, and so I'm this young guy, and I, I'm wanting to go out, but I'm not old enough. I'm so excited, and so then I finally turned 12, and I went. I made sure I took my hunter safety course, and, and I didn't really know a whole lot about shooting guns. I'd shot some 22s before, but so I asked my dad. I said, Dad, I need you to teach me how to shoot this, this gun because I'm not going hunting with a 22. And so my dad, he took me out. We got a big open field where we hunt. And so he taught me how to shoot a gun. He taught me how to sight in the scope. He taught me that when you go out into the woods, you've got to be still. Something that was very hard for me as a 12-year-old boy. Maybe that's why I didn't kill any trophy bucks. He taught me that you have to be quiet when you're sitting out there in the woods. And he taught me, you know, when you're looking through the woods, you want to look and see if the buck have been rubbing on any trees. That's where you, you kind of get an idea of if they're coming through this area or if this is a popular spot for the bucks. And so he taught me very intentionally how to hunt. And although I never did kill a trophy buck, I did kill a four-point one time. I was proud of that. I killed a doe a few times. We ate that meat. We loved it. My dad was proud of me. I loved it. But you see, we intentionally teach things to our kids that matter to us. My dad likes hunting. He likes shooting firearms. And so naturally, I, as his son, was interested in those things, and he was intentional to teach me those things. The first thing we see in discipleship with Jesus and his disciples is that he intentionally teaches them. We have to know that the key ingredient is intentionality. All of us know that if we're not intentional about doing things, they most likely won't happen. If we just casually say, well, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll, you know, it's, right now we've got other things to think about, but we'll get to it. If you don't make intentional time, it won't happen. And what we see in the life of Jesus is that here he gets his disciples, and in verse 20 it says he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he begins to teach. There are plenty of other examples. We could also go to uh, Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter 8. And in verse 4, we see the parable of the sower. And we won't read all of it for the sake of time, but he gives the parable of the sower, how the sower goes out to sow his seed, and he drops the seed on four different types of soils. And after this, in verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, and he goes on to explain. We see again, this is another example of how Jesus is being intentional to teach his disciples. So there's an element in which Jesus is clearly taking time apart from all of his other things that he's doing, apart from all of his other responsibilities, and he is making sure to teach his disciples. And so as I think about being a dad of two young children, I am thinking that I need to prioritize teaching them. I need to prioritize opening the Bible with them, reading the Bible with them, explaining the Bible with them. But it applies to more than just me as a dad. I, I was thinking, 
And I know that we have people in, in lots of different stages of life right now. And I was thinking that we, I know we have people in our church that are empty nesters now. Your kids have, have grown up and they are moved out of the house, perhaps started families of their own. And as you read the Bible, perhaps you are seeing things and learning things that you never saw before. Perhaps you've read that same passage a hundred times and never noticed this little nugget of truth. There are tons of people in our church that are not in your stage yet, that perhaps are in a stage like mine with young kids, or perhaps are in the next stage with kids in middle school or or kids in high school. There are so many people that would benefit from you being intentional to share that wisdom with them, to teach them what it is that God has taught you, or perhaps to teach that which has been taught to you. The things that we care most about the things that matter to us, we will teach to our children. If you're a big sports fan, you've probably raised your children to be big sports fans. I am in that process with Graham. I'm buying him Mets shirts and Mets jackets and Mets baseballs and everything. I want him to be a Mets fan so he can suffer with me. (laughs) One day they're going to win, I promise. But if it matters to us, it will matter to our children. The same is true with our spiritual life. If your relationship with God matters to you, it will be obvious to your children and you will spend time being intentional to teach it to them. Jesus was intentional in teaching his disciples. But then we have to ask, well, what is he teaching them? Because we can teach our kids a lot about church and about being religious without actually teaching them the truth. And I fear a lot of times what we have done by neglecting some of this intentional teaching from the Bible is our our kids have observed how to be legalistic, how to be at church all the time, but never really to be devotional in the Bible on their own. Perhaps we've done some damage there. So we've got to understand that there's there's a specific message that we must be teaching. We must be teaching the message of the whole Bible. It's all the word of God. It is all sufficient for training and teaching and rebuking. We need the whole counsel of God, but what we must be teaching our children is the gospel message. It's the message that Jesus came as the Son of God. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. He never once sinned. He never disobeyed the law. He was obedient. And that he went to the cross in your place and in my place. And he died on that cross for your sins and for my sins. And that if we believe in that, We can be forgiven of our sins. That is the message that that is threaded all throughout Scripture. And that is the message that we need to be intentional to teach to our children. But not just to our children. Look around. There are friendships in this room that span generations. There is a lot of life experience here 
and a lot of inexperience here. And there is a lot that people like me as a young man can learn from people like many of you. Many things you have seen in the scriptures that God has revealed to you that I have not seen yet. And discipleship means that if someone like Gordon sees something in the Bible that, that he knows would have been so helpful, I wish I'd have seen this, I wish I'd have realized this when I was the, the dad of a young boy and a young girl. Let me share this with those who are. Or perhaps you're, you're a young, single college person right now. And you're reading through the Bible and you see something that, man, you thought would have been so helpful to know in high school. I wish I'd have known this then. Well, guess what? We have people in this room that are in high school that you can share it with, that you can teach, that you can be intentional to share with them what God has revealed to you. The first step in discipleship that we've got to be intentional to teach. It's important. It's essential. We see that Jesus was intentional about teaching his disciples and that if we are going to be intentional about making disciples, whether it's of our kids, whether it's of each other, there has to be teaching. We've got to be opening the Bible. We've got to be explaining what it says and we've got to be teaching the gospel message. The second thing that we notice in the life of Jesus is that discipleship involves observation. Discipleship involves observation. Look with me at uh, Luke chapter 7 in verse 11. This is still towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But Jesus is with his disciples, and look at what verse 11 says. It says, soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, do not weep. Then he came up. And touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And verse 15 is such a fascinating verse. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. And fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole area of Judea and the surrounding country. You see, the disciples are not being intentionally taught in this passage. The disciples are with Jesus, and they are seeing how Jesus is treating those around him. And this, there, we could probably spend the next hour looking at examples of this, where the disciples are with Jesus, and they see him doing ministry. They see Jesus having compassion on people. They see Jesus healing people. They see Jesus doing so many different things. And what I want you to know is that while intentional teaching is essential for discipleship, the second ingredient is that we've got to be observing those who are teaching. We've all heard that phrase, 
you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And when we think about discipleship, that is a great question to ask. I'm sure many of us could probably sit down with our kids, open the Bible, and maybe explain it to them a little. And we don't have to be great at that. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to be able to teach it to younger people. But what you do need to do is to live it out. See, I think this, perhaps, is is the biggest ingredient where people start to go awry, where discipleship starts to be derailed, is because we can teach all day, but if we're not living according to what the Bible teaches, then we're what we call a hypocrite. We're, We're breeding hypocrisy. We're teaching our kids to know one thing as truth, but you know you don't really have to live as if that's true. And I think this is perhaps the biggest way where discipleship breaks down. I think one of the things we do really well, not just in our church, but, but in most American churches, is we teach a lot. We've got Sunday school, we've got Sunday morning service, we've got Wednesday nights, we've got Sunday nights, and perhaps maybe you're even meeting with a group of your friends and and you're you're opening the Bible and you're looking at it. But we've got uh, Wednesday morning Bible study, we've got Thursday morning Bible study, we've got a lot of opportunities for you to come and to hear Josh or, or someone else teach you the Bible. I think a lot of times we're doing so much teaching and perhaps maybe we're doing so much learning and we're not doing any doing there's got to be an aspect of our lives to where we are living in obedience to the word of God and as we do those that we are discipling whether it be our children or whether it be young people here at the church they have to see in our lives that we are modeling what we teach And if we're not, we're going to be confusing a lot of people. The Bible teaches us to care for the fatherless. The Bible teaches us to care for the widow. The Bible teaches us to care for the poor among us. If we are trying to disciple people, if we're going to teach them that this is what the scripture says but not live it in practice, what does that say to them? It tells them that what the Bible teaches doesn't really matter. And that is what I say breeds hypocrisy. What the disciples saw in Jesus is a man who lived out what he believed. And if we are going to have any sort of successful attempts at discipling our younger people, we have got to be people who live out what we say we believe. We've got to be convictional. We've got to know what it is we believe, and then we have to live it. We have to live in obedience to it. Discipleship includes teaching, Discipleship includes observing, but lastly, 
Discipleship involves doing. Look with me at Luke chapter 9. We'll look at the first six verses. Jesus talking. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Jesus, in this passage, is sending out his disciples to do the work of ministry that he has been doing all the way up to this point. You see, there is a a purpose in what Jesus is doing. He's not just teaching his disciples just so they can know stuff. He's not having them observe his life just so they can see what kind of guy he's like. Jesus is doing all these things with a purpose in mind. See, because Jesus knows that his time is coming. Later here in chapter 9, we we see Luke tells us that Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. So Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. He knows what's waiting for him. He knows he's headed to the cross. And he knows there's going to come a day where he is not going to be with his disciples. And the purpose of his life and the purpose of his teaching and the purpose of the disciples observing him was not just so that they'll be better people. It's so that they will carry on the mission that Jesus began. So Jesus is not just teaching for the sake of teaching. He's not just letting them observe him for the sake of observation. Jesus is doing these things because... He is going to send the disciples out. Discipleship involves doing. You see, we've got to understand that there is a goal to our discipleship. It's not just, let's make our kids good kids. Let's make these people good people. No, there's a goal, and that's the goal that Jesus gives to his disciples at the end of his ministry. He sends them out. We're probably all familiar with the Great Commission. Jesus sends us to all corners of the earth, and he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded. Well, before he says that, he says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded. And then he says, behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. You see, there is a purpose in the discipleship that Jesus is doing. It's not just for the sake of of creating what we would call good people. Jesus is now sending his disciples out to prepare them for the ultimate mission when he's gone. Now, I want you to notice just a few things about this passage here in, in Luke 9. Jesus is sending them out. He's giving them authority over over all demons and to cure diseases. That's something unique to the disciples. I don't think we should expect to have the, the ability to just cure everybody's diseases. God may use us to do that, but I don't think we should expect that. 
and he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Now again, as we are looking at the Gospel of Luke up to this point, we see that this is one thing that Jesus is doing. At the beginning of chapter 8, the first few verses, uh, it says, Soon afterward, he went through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. So again, Jesus has a mission. He's bringing the good news of the kingdom to different towns and villages. And the disciples are with him. They're seeing what he's doing. And now Jesus is sending them out by themselves to do it. Jesus has been teaching them and training them for this purpose. To do the work of ministry. Then he says to them, verse 3, Take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no money, and no bread, and do not have two tunics. Jesus is making his disciples trust in God. Trust on God for everything that they might need while they are on this journey. I think one of the ways where discipleship falls short is that sometimes we never teach our young people to depend on God for themselves. Or we never teach our young people to own their own faith. It's really easy for us, especially as parents, to try and shield and protect our kids from every hardship that may arise in life. That is my natural inclination towards Graham and Charlie. I want to protect them. I want to guard them from anything that might be of hindrance to them. But Jesus is now sending out his disciples and he's telling them, you're going to have to depend on God for everything. And I think part of what we need to do as disciple makers is to send out the people that we are discipling, to give them opportunities to be doing ministry themselves. Because it's really easy for me to raise Graham and just teach him what it means to do ministry. Jesus, uh, uh, Graham, here's what it's going to look like for you to be evangelistic. Here's what it's going to look like for you to share the gospel with someone. Here's how you might go about that. See, we can give them tips, tricks, and, and the cheat codes that we've figured out. But if they never actually do it for themselves, what have they really learned? Maybe something, but maybe nothing. See, discipleship includes teaching, it includes observation, but it also includes doing. If we want to make disciples that are going to carry on the mission that Jesus has given to us, we've got to be teaching them how to trust God for themselves, we've got to be teaching them how to obey God for themselves, we've got to be teaching them and giving them opportunities to do the work of ministry themselves. And that's huge. It's kind of intimidating to do the work of ministry as perhaps a young person here today. It's intimidating to think about sharing the gospel with someone, whether it's a complete stranger or your best friend. It's intimidating. Y'all, we have got to be teaching our young people, whether it be our kids or whether it be other people at this church, that they, 
have been called by God as a Christian to do the work of ministry. It's not just ministers. It's not just those who are on staff at our church that are called to do the work of ministry. It is everyone who calls on the name of Jesus as Lord. And if we're going to raise disciples that do it, we've got to give them opportunities to do it while they're under our care. You see, because they come back and they, they talk with Jesus about how it went. They tell him all these success stories. Perhaps they shared with him some failures. And Jesus is there to continue to disciple them and to help them grow and to help them be ready for when he dies on the cross and ascends into heaven. Jesus knows he's not always going to be with them. And so Jesus is planning for them to be self-sufficient, not self-sufficient, but relying on God, having their own faith so that when he's gone, they will continue on the mission. And church, as we think about someone like Bob Samuels, he's gone. He's not with us any longer. His opportunity to disciple people has ended. And what's going to happen now? Have we been taught to trust God for ourselves? Have we learned from Mr. Samuels? Have we observed in his life what it looks like to obey God and to to seek after him? Have we learned, have we been taught from him how to do the work of ministry? How to share the gospel with those that we know and love? Because there's going to come a day when you and I are not here any longer. It's really sad to think about. But more than likely, there will come a day where Graham and Charlie don't have me and Samantha. And when that day comes, will we have prepared them to seek after God? Or will we have prepared them to depend on us to seek after God? Jesus knows he won't always be with the disciples. And he is teaching them how to be relying on God for themselves, not to rely on Jesus' physical presence with them. Church, I hope that you have a desire to grow and to be a better disciple maker in 2019. And we need to look to Jesus as our example. Jesus spent only three years with his disciples. And it's not always foolproof. Judas fell away. We cannot think that if there's ever failure that we have failed. We have to trust God. We have to be intentional to teach We have to live a life that they can observe and see that we live what we're teaching. And we've got to give our young people opportunities to do ministry for themselves so they can learn to trust God for themselves. Church, our church has grown a lot in 2018. I think all of us would say we want to see it grow even more in 2019 and it'll happen 
if we become intentional to disciple the young people around us. And God has promised that as we do it, he will never leave us or forsake us. He will be with us every step of the way. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the example that Jesus gives us on how to disciple people. God, it's a, it's a great and a, a big task that you have given to us, but God, you have promised yourself that you would never leave us nor forsake us. We are not having to do this alone. We thank you for that. God, we pray that as we begin a new year, that our hearts would be thinking and we would be filled with wanting to be creating disciples for your glory, teaching people what it means to follow after you. God, we love you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.